Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast presented by Ingalls, the official supermarket of Gramlich and McLean. It has been a minute. Since Mac and I have done a podcast following a Clemson win, (laughs) I know Mac is hyped up. I know you are. (laughs) It's been 84 years, all right, if you get that reference. Uh, No, it's been been good. It's been a long time, but it's great. Anytime Clemson beats Notre Dame, uh, it makes me very happy. Any ACC team, but my Tigers, of course, uh, makes me very excited, KG. Uh, makes me even happier mm-hmm. uh, that one of my best friends, Jordan Cornette, was there in attendance. He got to see it live and personal, the beatdown. Uh, so that was great. So uh, anytime uh, you know we, the Tigers can can get off to a hot start, it, it's fun to watch. And you know Notre Dame hasn't beat Clemson and Death Valley for like fifty years. I don't know what the Golden Numbers are doing, but they can't get it done there. They cannot get it done in Death Valley. That's for sure. Really glad that uh, Jordan Cornette got that that nice uh, Clemson welcome. With that loss. That's right. <laughs> and I think all ACC fans can rejoice when anybody beats Notre Dame, as Louisville did earlier yes. this year. But before we get into all these games, including Louisville, as they continue to make their way towards Charlotte, Florida State, of course, winning, and talk about Clemson, uh, we have to remind people, Mac, that basketball season is upon us. I am so excited. And uh, today is Monday, if you're listening. So tonight, We have the season beginning on ACC Network. I'll be on starting at 3. We've got the Virginia Tech women at 5. And then the UNC men and the Duke men. I'm not sure which order, honestly, because I'm focused on women's hoops. But we're going to have that. Mac and I will both be in Charlotte on Thursday covering the Iowa-Virginia Tech game. And we have a special episode coming out tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. And the Asheville Championship, Mac, is coming up very, very soon. That is right, KG. Listen, it is crossover season mm-hmm. for some of my dear friends. Uh, KG is going to be square in the mix. She's bringing me with her. We're talking some hoops. I'm super excited. Tomorrow is going to be an unbelievable episode. You guys won't want to miss it. But also go back and check out our Clemson preview episode where we dive into everything about the Tigers to really get everybody ready for, one, tip-off tonight, uh, but also the Asheville Classic, like KG mentioned. Still time. Get your tickets. There's not many left, but you got to go do that. Go support your Tigers Right down the road in Asheville, great venue, awesome stuff, and a lot of angles in the area if you want to hit them up. So real quick, Thanksgiving is also coming up quick, KG, which is crazy to think about. Our friends over at Ingles want to help get you ready. Did you know that Ingles sells more organics than any other store? Or that they run their own dairy? Or that they only serve USDA choice and prime meat? Did you know that they have more local craft beer than any place else? Or that they have energy smart stores? Or that they professionally slice and package imported cheese from Europe? Did you know about their giant international aisle, local farm partnerships, curbside pickup, wine department? Or that they donate 3,956 meals a day to local food banks? Well, now you do. It's all in the bag. Ingles, low prices, love the savings. Mac, there is no time to waste. Let's get to these football games from the weekend. Let's start. We'll go back to our big game breakdown and go down the order. So let's start here with Clemson and Notre Dame. Clemson beat number 15, Notre Dame, 31 to 23. Phil Moffa had 36 carries for 186 yards and two touchdowns. Dude was a monster. Clemson won the turnover margin, barely, but they did it. And Clemson had zero penalties in this game. 
Mac, I was there. The atmosphere was really, really good. <laughs> and, you know, Clemson, it, it just felt like finally, after a season where nothing went Clemson's way, mm-hmm. Clemson got some breaks in this game. I, I, th- I felt like that was the difference. Yeah, and it was, man, it was, it was fun to watch, right? And, and cool to see Clemson, you know, just really show out and, and flex their muscles and, and get up in a big lead in the first half. But I do have to say this, KG, it started feeling a lot like 2015, where Clemson offense got off, started starting hot, True. big lead, and then just couldn't do anything. And here come, here comes the Irish, here comes Notre Dame. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm doing the math in my head, and I'm like, is this going to come down to a stopped two-point conversion again? Is that what we're going to see here? Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the guys, Jeremiah Trotter, Bear Carter, and company said, no, we're, we're not going to let that happen. We're going to keep them out. We don't have to worry about a two-point conversion. Specifically looking at Jeremiah Trotter, I mean, that guy was a war daddy flying around the field, led the team in tackles, led the game in tackles, um, had two sacks, two and a half tackles for loss, a pick six, uh, maybe even a fumble in there somewhere. Uh, I mean, he just absolutely loaded up the stat sheet. And really that linebacking core for Clemson was flying around. I mean, those guys were making a ton of plays. Also in the secondary, you have to give them love. Got their hands on like three or four footballs that they should have picked off. They got two of them. Um, And it was just fun to see that group really grow up. Uh, the other group I have to give a ton of love to, KG, is the Clemson offensive line. Down Come on, three man. starters. Are you kidding me? This motley crew that they threw together that goes out there and rushes, you know, for, for almost 200 yards against Notre Dame, two touchdowns. Phil Moffa just absolutely answering the call uh, with Will Shipley, one of Clemson's best players, out. Uh, they said, hey, put it on my back. Seven's got you. Uh, and, and he just looked tremendous. You know, big burst runs, 41 yards. Uh, had another really long one in there as well, and then just being a sledgehammer, uh, you know, on the goal line there, only giving up one sack. The Clemson offensive line, I, th- I thought, was the 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 uh, you know MVP of the game with Moffa, of course, mm-hmm. the things he did, but they were impressive. They were really impressive. Mac, I agree, and the offensive line. It felt like this week the coaching staff said, "Okay, let's look at what we have, and let's do what the players we have do best, and that is running the ball." This O-line has not been great in pass blocking all year, but they have been a pretty good run blocking O-line. So let's run it. And they did really well in that regard. And Phil Moffa was just exceptional. He (laughs) he can do both. He's a workhorse and he has breakaway speed, which is what you want in a running back. And honestly, my question, Mac, is why hasn't Moffa been the number one running back for Clemson? He's it's not like he hasn't played. He has. But Shipley, I'm assuming I would have to double-check the numbers, but had more carries coming into this game, and Shipley didn't play. Yeah. But it, it's kind of baffling. And can you give me the stat that you gave me before we went on air, Mac, oh. about Shipley and Moffa? Uh, which one? Which one was it? That Shipley's oh, the, the, longest the run of the run? season was 21 yards? Yeah, yeah that, that, that's crazy. Um, you know, you, and Moffa's had like a 49, yeah. 40, like all these different ones. Yeah, that's crazy. He's had a handful of them. Uh, and, and yeah, just to kind of reference the stats here, before you know the 36-yard or 36-carry output, um, you know, Moffa was about 40 carries behind. Uh, Shipley, and, and when wow. you see, wow. you know, the output that, that he has there, he's got nearly double the touchdowns, uh, averaging about a yard more per attempt. So, it, it, regardless, it's a great one-two punch. He, the the kind of problem that I have, it's interesting you bring it up. The, I have said for three years that Phil Moffa can start anywhere in the country. Like he's that good of yeah. a player. Uh, it's just you know those guys came in together. They're roommates. They have their best friends. They have a really nice relationship. 
I would love to, for them, obviously, to use Moffa more, but also to use Shipley differently. Like, I, I just have felt mm. all year that, you know, it, go check my tweets. <laughs> I put it out there. It's, it's public record. It's just you're running ship in the A-gap and, and slamming them into the offensive line. That's not yeah. the type of yeah. back he is. That's the type of back Moffa is. You know, I want to get ship out in space. I want to get him out on the edge. I don't want to, you know, throw him a swing pass and give him an anchor and he doesn't catch it when there's wide open spaces against NC State and he can run for 30. Uh, it, it just feels like the misutilization, maybe is the right word, uh, for Shipley. I, I just felt like in this <laughs> – thank you, I had to dig deep for that. Uh, I, I just feel like in this offense, I had really high expectations for him to be much more versatile, much more of a weapon – and to have Moffa kind of as your true running back, and that's just we didn't we haven't seen it. We we just haven't seen that. So maybe when he comes back, now that Moffa, I don't know if he had to prove it, but he he did uh, that. He's proved that he is more than capable of being a bell cow and getting that ball. Maybe that allows them to now say, okay, ship, let's flex you out, let's throw it to you, let's get you an outside zone jet sweep type of things. Just get him in space. He, he's too special of a player just to have him line up and take a zone read into the A-gap. Like, I don't I don't want to do that 20 times a game. You know, I want to get him the ball in space. And Moff is better at that. Exactly. Moff is better exactly. at the at running in between the tackles. We know that. Mac, I don't see any reason about why Phil Moff is not running back one. Sure. Against Georgia Tech, even if Shipley's healthy. Am I wrong? I, I think, you know, you certainly play him a lot more. Um, again, I think Ship is – He should start. I can't think of what Clemson would be without Shipley all these years, but maybe Moffa would have been just fine, you know, and, and helping them out. I um, think he would have been just fine. I, I think he's still a special player. But I don't know what his injury is. He he might not even be close to ready. So it'll be fascinating to see. I'm not saying Shipley – Shipley should be on the field. He should get touches, but Phil Moffa was special. No he was special. I mean, he completely out – outperformed Audric Estime, right. <laughs> who we've been talking about forever, or, you know, nationally people are talking about him. But on, on the flip side, too, Mac, you talk about this defense. I mean, Sam Hartman, Sam Hartman never wants to go to Death Valley ever again. <laughs> I don't think he ever does. Clemson made it really hard on him. And with that pick six from Trotter and the other pick that Hartman had and the Notre Dame muff punt, that was huge, it just felt like finally Clemson caught yeah. some breaks. And they took advantage yeah. of him. You have to take advantage of him. And they it it felt kind of like that Syracuse game, oddly enough, where it's just things were going Clemson's way. And we've seen it twice, yeah. two times this year. Normally, you see it a lot more, and, and Clemson able to capitalize on mistakes, not be the one that creates the mistakes. Um, kind of, you know, too, I, I don't want to be um, super negative because this is an unbelievable win, uh, but I also don't want to be all sunshine and rainbows because there was still a ton that I think this team can improve mm -hmm. on. This was the most big plays I've ever seen against Clemson in a game, and they won. I mean, I'm looking at the, just the box score here. I think there were eight or nine plays of 20 or more yards, and the ones that I can just see here right off the top, 25, run for 25, run for 38, a pass for 35, a pass for 22, a pass for 20, a pass for 21. There was more in there uh, from that, but just really Notre Dame was able to hit these explosive plays and move the ball down the field, the key was Clemson primarily kept them out of the end zone and kept them yeah. out of scoring position. Very opportunistic is kind of the way that I would you know describe this game for the defense. Notre Dame still ran the ball for 183 yards. I mean, that's a bunch when you're talking about a Clemson Tiger team that usually thrives on stopping the run. Uh, so those couple of things you'd love to see them continue to clean up um, and, and just, you know, beggars and, and choosers, I totally get that. The passing, I mean, was just... It was so weird, KG, because Clemson was running the ball so well. It wasn't good on both Correct. sides. It was not. 
Uh, Clemson was running the ball so well that when they did pass and kind of when they passed, I was just like, what is happening? Why? Why Why do you throw the ball there? And why do you throw that route? And, you know, kind of one thing that I've noticed that I've been – it's so weird. I get caught up on words and how I want to describe these type of things. I'll say disappointed. Things that I've been disappointed – Clemson is doing a lot of weird spacing things lately where – they're putting bunch sets to the to the boundary, and they're not giving Cade a lot of room to right. to number one to read. It's very hard already, and now you're condensing things so small. And there, there's great examples of this in the NC State game where they have a bunch set, which is three wide receivers. Let's say it's to the left, which is the boundary, and they're running these spacing concepts that there's no room to do it, and so the defense literally takes two steps and they have everybody covered. I, I don't understand why they don't do that to the field and why they're not, you know, just getting better spacing. And again, th- there's a bunch of examples of this, especially in the Notre Dame and, and NC state game. So I, I feel like they're kind of making it harder for Cade, uh, just kind of given that. Yeah. And, and man, they, they threw it to the tight end being double, triple covered like five times. I'm just like, why are we forcing that throw? Like this is very strange, the timing and, and even the person that you're throwing to there. Um, so I thought that that was a little bit weird. Of course, the the dropped pick. I mean, it's just like, yeah, do for do for that. Hadn't seen that all game. Uh, and, and then you just need one more first down. Just run the ball. You've done it thirty five times, and then it gets ripped out. And I'm just like, this is just Clemson's course, year to do that. And it's just it's yeah. baffling. So again, unbelievable win, fantastic accomplishment. And and personally for me, I can't stand Notre Dame. So I love any time that. Anybody beats them, but for my Tigers to do it, it means that much more to me. Um, but yet, still some things to clean up. And, and this team, you know, I think showed flashes. Um, and certainly you found some key pieces and some young offensive linemen looked really, really good. Um, some young defensive backs. I mean, that, shoot, Clemson Clemson had like 11 starters True. out. And for them to do this, I mean, that was unbelievable. Showed grit, mm-hmm. showed toughness through adversity. Oh, by the way, Coach Dabo Swinney becomes the winningest coach in Clemson history. So there was so much that happened in that game that, you know, you, you just can't help but be proud about. For sure, Mac. And I think, you know, you mentioned the offense making it harder on themselves. That's kind of been the story of the season for Clemson, just making things harder on themselves than they probably should be. But when we talk about this passing game, Mac, and honestly, how much it didn't exist for Clemson. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. that's a concern moving forward. Some of the injuries with the wide receivers, it's really been an issue all year. I don't think you just snap your fingers and fix it. I think maybe your hands are tied a bit with personnel, and so that's why you're running some weird stuff. I don't don't know how to explain that, Max. So I think you're right. Mm -hmm. But you found a way. And the the, the other weird thing, real quick, KG, is just in in two games, the – Lack of involvement of Tyler Brown has been shocking. He had the big touchdown catch, but beyond that. Right, and that was it. That was all that he had. He had one catch, and and I I don't have targets in front of me, but like, get that dude the ball. He's your best receiver. NC State, he had six yards. I mean, it's just – it's weird. It really is weird. And and we see, you know, three games ago, and and for a couple of games in a row, they're just targeting him, you know, like crazy. So – I don't know. It, it is bizarre, but to see guys step up at different times, um, I've been really impressed with Troy Stilato mm-hmm. and, and his involvement in this. And you know, preseason, I remember them. You know, Clemson saying, "Oh well, we don't really know what we're going to get from Troy." You know, we hope. You know, he's talented. We know what he can be, but we just haven't seen it enough. 
Um, he's been exceptional, you know, with the opportunities that he's gotten. So, you know, just uh, again, just the, the passing offense is an ever evolving thing. Uh, we've seen it look brilliant. We've seen it look really good. And there was a, there was actually a drive that drive that you know they threw it, um, yeah. you know, to TB there to, to score the touchdown. I thought that was Clemson's best drive of the year for sure. Uh, yes. Just execution, throwing it to the middle, little bit of outside presence, running the football, and then a strike uh, for a touchdown. Um, you just hope it's something to to build on, you know. Well, young team. I wonder with Tyler Brown if because he was kind of banged up, and I think it was a game time decision overall. So maybe there was something there. Yeah. Okay, last question with Clemson. Was speaking of Tyler, was Tyler in Spartanburg planted by Dabo? Because <laughs> why I, are you asking I'm me that question? Hold now. on, I want to know why. <laughs> I want to know why you're asking this. Because Dabo, did you hear that? Is that was that the whispers in the uh, in the uh, in the friend group? Was that the whispers in the weekend? No, no, no. It's just here's the thing. Dabo is a master of motivation, and he needed something to you know get his guys going. He's trying to. <laughs> Turn the attention away from perhaps how bad the team has played to this random guy calling in. And, I mean, look, Dad was a mastermind, all right? He's a mastermind of these situations. Sure. So is Tyler his cousin? Like, I don't know. <laughs> now. It, oh, oh, it's actually, it's not Tyler from Spartanburg. It's Tyler from Pelham. Tyler from online Pelham. Too. Oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> I'm, I'm mainly kidding because Tyler from Spartanburg, like, showed himself and Larry Williams wrote an article on him and everything. But it's kind of funny how that whole story gave this team, it seemed like some extra juice, which is just, yeah. it's so, it's so college football. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is college football. Um, no, I don't think that number one and, uh, you know, number two, I, I don't think I'm going to give that guy too much credit. I think okay, that you're not. <laughs> obviously rallies, uh, I don't think that he's the secret sauce, but okay. if we do think that, if anybody on staff thinks that, then Tyler, call in again in Tiger Calls. We need your help. That would actually be <laughs> hilarious if he does. That would be so funny to see what he says. And then, you know, if they ever like, take that call again, everybody fired involved with that. They're all gone. Yeah, well, I guess so. Dabble probably, oh, Tyler, it's fine. Come on up to a game. Okay, let's get to the rest of our games in the big game breakdown. Uh, a game. Well, we were both wrong, by the way. We took Notre Dame. I think mainly because we were just like Clemson figured out. Just common and sense. Did. It was total common sense is why yeah. we picked that way. And because they hadn't covered in ages. Um, number 13, Louisville covers. I am done betting against the cards. I'm done. I promise. Number 13. Well, actually, Card Nation spoke, and they would actually rather you keep yeah, I guess so. Them, I mean, so. look, whatever the cards need from me, I'll do at this point. I'm happy for them. <laughs> Number thirteen, Louisville beats Virginia Tech thirty-four to three. This was a this was domination. This this was absolute domination. Um, Louisville's defense was exceptional. They've given up three combined points in the last two games yeah. against Duke and Virginia Tech. Isaac Garendo was amazing. Mm. I mean, Jawar Jordan. It was kind of like he was second fiddle, if you will, and he mm -hmm. still had a, a touchdown. Mm -hmm. um, so I mean, I, I was just really really impressed. With Louisville, they weren't. They got after Kyron Jones. Virginia Tech couldn't do anything, and then Plummer was also really good, really efficient. They they just looked like a top ten team. Louisville did. Right, right. No, they they absolutely did. And, and you know, I think is interesting is I, I can't remember how we exactly laid out this game because I, I don't know if I was as confident as I was by Saturday. You were confident, but after just yeah, just after diving in it a little bit more, KG, I, I was looking at who Virginia Tech was doing this against. It's a good point. And Louisville at home uh, with Jawar Jordan 
is a different team. And, and, you know, they're a super high-caliber team, very balanced, very good offense, defense, almost elite. I think we can say that now, uh, potentially a top-10 team when when the new polls come mm-hmm. out here. Um, and so it, it just – to me, I, I thought that that kind of – you know, midnight was going to strike for Virginia Tech. Sure. I thought that, you know, Cinderella was, was going to kind of have its run there and, you know, they run into a bit of a buzzsaw here with Louisville. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I, I, I kind of want to focus on the defense first, KG, because mm-hmm. those guys played with their hair on fire. I mean, four sacks, turnovers, getting the football, creating and wreaking havoc, a bunch of different guys, uh, not named Ashton Gelati. I, I thought Ashton might go off. Uh, Virginia Tech, I thought, did a good job of, you know, trying to contain him and, and really identify him. Um, but everybody else feasted, and I thought that that was very impressive. A team that since Kyron Drones has been playing, I believe his average right close to 200 yards a game rushing, they hold him to 68. I mean, that, that's that's a big deal, and that's really impressive. And then to hold him to, to you know, under 70 yards passing, uh, at least Kyron Drones there, it was just a great total team effort. And those guys are, are again, you talk about ascending at the right mm-hmm. time, this is what you need to do in November – uh, you, you've got to be playing your best ball. And then on the offensive side, you know, I, I was slightly concerned, not really, but slightly concerned, you know, when we heard, you know, their yeah. best wide receiver in Jamari Thrash was not playing. I was like, oh, this will be interesting. But then I remembered uh, Louisville can run the heck out of the football. And, you know, when you have a guy like IG step up out of nowhere, uh, you know, and rush for three touchdowns, 146 yards, um, you know, as your second running back, super impressive to see that. Um, and then Jack Plummer not making mistakes. And right. I kind of talked about this. I know you, you, you might think a little bit differently than I do. I, I don't necessarily think being called a game manager is a negative connotation. Now, some people do because, you know, if we're talking about elite quarterbacks, you say, no, he's a game manager. You know, he's not like a, a Lamar Jackson or a Trevor Lawrence type mm-hmm. guy. But to control the game, to, to check in and out of place, to not make mistakes – and to to be this high caliber of of a team that they are, Jack Plummer's the ultimate game manager right now. I mean, this guy has really kind of found a role and is sticking to it at a high level. I look, it's only a negative if you're talking about someone, you know, being in the running for the Heisman, right? Sure. But sure. if I you're just talking about a really good college quarterback who is gonna lead a team, trying to lead a team to an ACC championship, no, it's great. Especially when you have yeah. these kind of backs. When you have these weapons and you have this defense, basically, you truly just need to manage the game. Don't mess it up. And Plummer was, he was 11 of 12. Like, he was great. So, tons of credit to Jack Plummer. Mac, I have a question for you about Louisville. And maybe someone else has already discovered this. Maybe. Maybe I'm just crazy that I just randomly discovered this. (laughs) And and people are already talking about it. and, And maybe I missed that. Louisville's two worst games of the season. They were what? Which uh, against Pitt, who? Against obviously. Pitt. Pittsburgh and I'd probably say NC State. Correct. Okay, those two. What <laughs> do those two games have in common, Mac? They were on the road. Yes. Right? What other thing do they have in common? Do you have any idea? Probably based on what I just said, probably Jack trying to do too much and throwing for or they had to throw. So he probably threw for a bunch. Threw okay. for a bunch of yards. They had to throw. Interesting. Here's what I discovered. Both of those games were played on grass. Every other game they've played has been played on turf. No way. How did you come up with this? Yes. 
Yes. So the home, on, obviously um, the one home of my games. favorite. Yeah. And the game against Indiana in the Colts stadium. Mm-hmm. So here and, and the game against Georgia Tech in the um, Mercedes Benz. So on one of my favorite websites, cfbstats.com, I went to the game log of Louisville because I was just looking at some of their stats, and it tells you the surface that it's played on. And it was turf, 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 turf. NC State was grass. Turf. Pitt was grass. Turf. Wow. Is, isn't that interesting, Matt? So when you look at the rest of Louisville's games, at home against Virginia, turf. At Miami, Hard Rock is grass, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so keep an eye on that one. And then Louisville at home against Kentucky Turf. <laughs> this this is, is just some little thing that I've discovered. That is amazing. I'm trying to think of weather, too. So Carter Finley, it doesn't tell me what the weather was. We know, obviously, the weather was horrific. I don't think it was that bad. Probably the not, right? game was – and you didn't have to draw a Jordan. Like, obviously, pictures. that's – I'm looking at pictures. I don't think it was bad for Carter Finley. But this is a team who that's home field is turf. Oh, yeah. So when you play in these two other NFL stadiums, the Georgia Tech game and the Indiana game, you're playing on a turf surface that Mm. feels like home. Bizarre. Wow. And, Mac, what surface is the ACC championship played on? Grass. (laughs) Bet the house on FSU. Here we go. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. This is just a fun little thing that I discovered. Can Louisville fans start a petition to get it moved to an indoor turf arena facility? Somewhere. Well, and I wanted to ask you, Mac, as a player, what's the difference? Mm, interesting. Uh, there is different like qualities of turf. Um, I will say that. Oh. I've been on some turf that like sucks, and it's horrible. It feels loose uh, or, or kind of chunky, yeah. super weird. But then I've also played on turf, huh, Louisville, where you feel fast, like you're rolling. And, interesting. Uh, you, you feel really good. So it, it, what's weird to me, too, about this conversation is – the NFL lately, maybe the last three or four years, have been so like, get rid of turf. This is ruining the game. So yeah. many people are getting hurt. But in college, I feel like nobody cares. Like there, there isn't as true. Um, overwhelming a uh, correlation. Um, and I don't know if that's because NFL stadiums a lot more happening. Maybe the turf isn't the the better quality, and it's moving around or getting stepped on or, or place stages on for concerts, whatever. Um, but yeah, I like playing on turf. I like playing on turf. It was fun. Except okay. for in so it's a not million like turf degrees is some big, bad when it was so hot and it's just like a radiator just bouncing off the sun. Oh. Uh, then give me grass all day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like people go to Louisville and get hurt in the ACC. Correct. Like from a turf Correct. perspective or go to Georgia Tech, go play at Georgia Tech yeah. and get hurt. That's funny because you, you don't ever hear people complaining oh. about it in college, but in the NFL, oh. it's like this turf is, is the devil. Anyway, Mac, just doing, you know, great doing a little a investigating. <laughs> I do what I can. Okay, let's uh, talk about Florida State. Number four, Florida State beats Pitt 24 to 7 on grass. Um, a sleepy, weird game. No Keon Coleman, no Johnny Wilson. Jordan Travis still played well, still threw for a bunch of yards. I mean, that first half was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of felt like Pitt, don't. Don't yeah. do this again, yeah. you know? And and Florida State wasn't going to let it happen. But Florida State had some weird turnovers. And, I mean, I've said it wasn't a trap game just because I felt like Pitt was not capable of winning. Mm-hmm. But Pitt definitely hung around. And it, it was a little probably just nerve-wracking for Florida State fans for at least that first half. Yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it. And it was just 
you know, I, I don't think that we can understate the value and, and the loss of not having you know your two best wide receivers, especially Keon yeah. Coleman, who has been the go-to guy and, and just an absolute you know freak. The way that he can catch the football, the plays that he can make, you know, I, I think that that was very important. That you know those two guys were out, and, and what did Jordan Travis do? He threw for three sixty. You know, with, with some backups in there and, and a handful of tight ends, right? Like he's doing whatever he can. Uh, to to get people involved, you know, Jakai Douglas goes for 115 yards. I mean, that was awesome to see guys stepping up to make plays. You know, when when they need to, and I think that's what championship levels t- teams do. Uh, it truly mm-hmm. is a next man up mentality. Um, so so that was great to see. But there also was some weird, uncharacteristic things like you know JT taking a 15 yard sack, like just a really bad play, like just throw it away and and. Honestly, he could have gotten hurt. I mean, he he's kind of you know jacking around, looking downfield, uh, and, and then he just gets blindsided in the back. And I was like, oh my gosh, this just this isn't good, man. Get rid of the ball. Uh, but you know, he's trying to make a play. Mm-hmm. That's the type of dude he is. That he always you know is going to try to to extend it and and to make things happen downfield. But he had an exceptional game and, and thought he led really well. And you know, kind of had a a resurgence in the second or excuse me, third quarter where they scored fourteen points and and kind of put it to bed there. Um, again, you know, we, we saw from Trey Benson, you know, massive 55 yard touchdown to the house was really impressed with that. And then, you know, just some of the, the defensive linemen stepping up, making tackles for loss, making their presence kind of felt, uh, and getting in the backfield for, for three sacks. So I liked what I saw from Florida state, um, a little bit of a, I'll say a speed bump on this ascending path. I thought they were really taken off on, but Pitt's a hard place. Looks, it's cold up North, a stingy defense, a stingy team that, is always going to fight. You got to give them credit for that. Um, and so to come out there with with a double digit win is is good enough. College football is such a weird sport. For them to get just <laughs> blown out by Notre Dame and then really be in this game in the first half, and the defense yeah. looks so much better against Florida State, but give up fifty eight to Notre Dame. It's just, yeah, it's weird. Uh, college football is weird. We know that, but Florida State survives. They they handled their business overall without arguably their best player in Keon Coleman and then one of their best players in Johnny Wilson. They have Miami this week. Florida State-Miami week, even though Miami could not handle their business last week or whatever this week we're talking about. But good (laughs) news is for Florida State is they won't leave the state of Florida for the rest of the regular season. They won't be in any cold places. So that's good for FSU. That's right. That's right. No question about it. Mac, uh, because I spent so much time on my turf grass theory, we need to roll through this speed round. All right. Let's talk about NC State and Miami. Miami. <sighs> NC State beat Miami 20-6. to Someone here picked Miami. It was me. NC State at home. Uh, their defense was really stingy, Mac. You were there. The atmosphere looked awesome. And just credit NC State. They're bowl eligible at this point. They've had a lot of bumps in the road. They've had to change quarterbacks, all this. But I, I really think you can talk about how things went wrong for Miami, but you really just need to give credit to NC State and what they did. Yeah, no no question about it. I'll, I'll start with the, uh, with the environment there. I mean, it was nuts. I've said many, many times, Carter Finley, one of the toughest places to play. Uh, anytime someone asks me about that in the ACC, I would always say, Doe Campbell, because when I was playing, that place was rocking, yeah. and the Knolls were balling. Um, and then NC State was always second, and, and they just—they're passionate, man. They love their football, and and overall, you know, Boo Corgan and company have done such a great job, Coach Doran and, and the visionaries there of increasing that game day experience. 
The lights are sick. I mean, they do this thing where they just flood it red, and it looks like a scary movie. Um, and they they kind of dance around and do all these things. The jumbotron was beautiful. Um, not only you know impressive and and big, but also like super crystal clear. It was like 4K up there, KG, watching okay, that thing. Okay. Uh, and the sound system was awesome. And, and of course, the fans brought it and, and absolutely were a part of that game. And I thought made it difficult for Miami to really do anything. Um, and so they had a big key in there. But yeah, that defense is just sick. I mean, Peyton Wilson, he's so impressive. J- just as not only a football player, but just as a man and as a leader, mm-hmm. uh, to see what he's gone through and, and the trials and tribulations that he's had to go through to get to this moment. Um, because, you know, if people remember back his sophomore year, I believe it was, 100-plus, you know, tackler. Uh, and he he kind of in his mind is, hey, I just got one more year and I'm out. I'm in the league. I'm doing my thing. And then he goes through this horrific, you know, stretch of just bad injuries and can't stay healthy. Um, and, and, you know, he, he admittedly so came on our show and said, you know, kind of in that time, uh, my walk with Christ increased so much, you know, because I had to lean on something. I had nothing. And, uh, you know, he was there for me. Kind of grew up that way, but, you know, admittedly yeah. so kind of faded away a bit just in college and then just right back where he is. And so that was really fun to, to hear that and cool to hear that. And just such an instinctive player, fast, physical, literally plays the game with no regard for his own body. And uh, yeah. there's very few that, that play at that level. So <laughs> love what I saw from them. Again, uh, Kevin or Casey Concepcion, the, the best player on the field. Uh, just get that butt guy of the ball, get out of the way. They put him in a lot of different spots, slot, uh, running back, quarterback, uh, whatever it takes to get him the football. And, and for him to be able to you know, absorb and, and retain all that information is, is impressive for a tr- young, true freshman. For sure. And that's what you said last week, Mac. You said get him the ball after the Clemson game, get him the ball in, in any way. And I'm giving you credit because last week I said, I felt like Clemson lost that game more than NC state won it. And you said, no, give NC state more credit for what they did. You did that. I did not. They beat Miami. Obviously the three picks from TBD killed Miami, but give NC state's defense credit. I mean, they made them happen. What has happened to TBD? It's yeah. It's tough. I'm not saying that that's their only issue, but that's a big issue for this Miami team. Right yeah, now. and just where where they happen. I mean, in, in the end zone, in the yeah. red zone, scoring yeah. position. Um, the there was also a couple times. sack fumbles in there too. Um, I, th- I think NC State had four total turnovers forced. That's tough. It's it's hard to do when you when you're kind of beating yourself. And Clemson fans know they're experiencing it. You know, right now this <laughs> Clemson team and and you know the things that they've done all throughout this year. When you're in that red zone. You have got to score points, and, and most of the time you want to score touchdowns. Like three just isn't going to cut it. And, uh, yeah, he, he's just – I don't know it's, if he's not seeing it clearly or maybe trusting his guys too much. Um, it, it's a little bit of a problem. But this NC State defense, man, they've got great length. Aiden White is just freaky. I mean, the way that he kind of baited that touchdown – or, excuse me, that interception in the end zone was very impressive to see. And, uh, I mean, what a great performance – for Coach Doran's victory, you know, we talked about Coach Dabo Sweeney, uh, yeah. Coach Doran to become the winningest coach in NC State. 78, great number. Love that. Um, so pretty cool to, to be in attendance, to get to talk to him and, and just see how much this university means to him. And, you know, kind of said in, in postgame, we came here to break records, and that's exactly what he's done. So really cool to, to be a small piece of that and to be there. NC State, it's amazing how much things can change, right? Because NC State, after they lost to Duke a couple weekends ago, right? everything, yeah. you know, we were saying, are they going to make a bowl? Now they beat Clemson and Miami back-to-back. They have Wake next. They have Virginia Tech on the road, but Virginia Tech. 
And then they have a UNC team that's really struggling. So uh, who knows at home what NC State <laughs> yeah, could do? Yeah. So keep an eye on NC State. Let's continue our speed round. Boston College is bowl eligible. One of the best turnarounds from from the beginning of the season to now in the country right now is Boston College. They beat Syracuse seventeen to ten. This was a crazy game, Mac. I think my favorite play of the whole game was the fake punt on that final <laughs> second to last drive, I guess, for Boston College, which was just crazy. You did not expect it. And then Castellanos was so good on that final drive. That fake yeah. punt was insane. I mean, what a call by Jeff Halfley. What 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 do you call the running style yes. that the punter was he running? He was like, with? run, 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 I might punt, run, 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 I might punt. Okay, I'm gonna go. <laughs> this dude was three yards past the line of scrimmage yes, and then goes to like fake like punt again. Punch. And it's I'm like, dog, run. You can't run. punt anymore. You are not fast. <laughs> run. Uh it, it was so funny. I, I love seeing he was panicking. slightly not athletic people run. It's just it's a funny thing to see there. Uh, but yeah, absolutely right. And here's the deal. I told you guys four weeks ago, BC's going to be you bowl did. eligible you did. in the next you three games. It. And that's what they've done. You These guys it, are just Mac. playing at a high level. And when you have a quarterback like, you know, Tommy Castellanos, I mean, it, it's he's such a, a firecracker, such a wild yeah. card, uh, you know, something you have to prepare for each and every week that you don't normally see. Um, when, you know, and, until you play him, he's different. It's just hard. He, he's just different. I mean, leading the team in rushing uh, and passing, obviously, the throws that he makes, the decisions that he makes. Th- this dude is fun to watch, and, and something flipped for him because you know early in the season when when you know he wasn't starting, but he was getting in, and you know he's getting fifteen yard penalties and, and mm-hmm. yelling at the other team, and he's stepping out of bounds a yard short of the line to gain on you know fourth down, and I'm just like. This guy's not it. I mean, he, he's just not ready, you know, for this moment. And then everything changed. I don't know if someone got in his ear, if somebody had a conversation with him saying, look, dude, you can be really good. You just have to understand what it takes to be a leader and what it takes to be on this team. He's completely turned it around. And, and these guys, I think, feed off of him. I think the entire team, not just the offense, but the offensive line has been really playing at a high level. Uh, and, and to have, you know, some some young guys step in and step out and do their thing, um, you know, when, when other guys go down, it's been impressive. So this BC team is really fun, KG. They're fun to watch. And, and I'm looking at their, you know, coming up schedule, Virginia Tech at Pitt, Miami. Let's go, let's go do something crazy. Let's go do something crazy. <laughs> I think it all kind of changed for Tommy Castellanos, the FSU game. Because of yeah, they lost, but and they had so many penalties, it wasn't really his fault. But how he balled out against that defense. Yeah. Maybe that was just a hey, look. I can do this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I look, I am not saying he is this guy because he is he is not as good as this guy. But when I watch him and he's wearing number one and he's little. I think a little Kyler he's got Murray. The hamster legs. He looks like a little Kyler Murray. <laughs> he does. I am not saying he's Kyler Murray. Yeah. Don't come at no, me. No, it's fine. It's but fine. Same body type, yeah. so fast. Yeah. Little hamster legs, just <laughs> Unreal. I do have to give credit real quick, uh, you know, to our guy Lugs. Lug Luganbill was the first person I ever heard say that, uh, which okay. I think All was right. like maybe like week two or three. Uh, and when he FSU said it, game. I was like, eh. it probably was the FSU game, which yeah. makes sense. It, it's it's a probably Lugs was on that call. I remember. Oh, was, it was there? You go. So that's exactly yeah. what it was. Easy comp after you see a guy doing that to uh, you know top five team in the country. It looks it looks very similar. Okay, Mac. Our last few games here. Georgia Tech destroys Virginia. 
We were wrong on this one. We were right on Boston College, thankfully. But Georgia Tech beats Virginia 45 to 17. I thought losing Tony Musket on the fifth play of the game really hurt Virginia because Calandria is such a wild card. You don't have your leader in Tony Musket. Mm -hmm. But Virginia gave up 50 million rushing yards to Georgia Tech. And when you do that, it's not going to work out well. These were the two worst rush defenses in the ACC. And, uh, yeah, Georgia Tech said, oh, they're that bad. We're, we're going to make it happen. So credit Georgia Tech. I did not expect either team to blow this thing open like this. Yeah, no, I, I didn't either. And just because simple rules of the, the world here, the football world, Georgia Tech was supposed to lose this game because it was a yeah, it was an exactly. even number game. They can only win, win odd. Uh, so, so that's the only reason that I picked Virginia. Uh, and here they go. They just make me look like an idiot. I'll have to talk about Roddy about this on, on radio here so I can really check in with him. But, man, 44 rushes, 305 yards, five rushing touchdowns. I mean, that is sick. And, and I was texting back and forth with Coach Key and, and just knew how proud he was of that team. Um, and he said, yeah, man, you know, sitting here having a little brown water, listening to you guys talk about my jacket. So, you know, he's he's feeling good. And, again, another team, I feel like there's – there's been kind of this middle of the season, second half kind of awakening, if you will, for some teams and, yeah. and figuring out who they are and who their identity is. And, you know, if you remember kind of early, you know, Georgia Tech was slinging it and taking shots and, and trying to figure it out. And, you know, Haynes has, has been a great quarterback. And I think he, he's been really exceptional what he's doing, but they were bombing it out a lot. And now they're kind of like, look, we can run the football. And, and Haynes right. King, obviously, a huge part of that as well. He, he's been electric. I mean, a couple of touchdowns, almost 100 yards on the ground. Um, so, so this team's fun to watch. I feel like they're only getting better. Big test this weekend for both teams going to the Valley. Uh, you know, Clemson obviously having success for the first time in a while. Uh, and then a Georgia Tech team that, that, again, is playing their best football right now. As we all suspected, the winner of Georgia Tech-Clemson on November 11th would become bowl eligible. We thought that completely on both sides. Some people thought Georgia Tech would not make a bowl, and some people thought Clemson would be in the playoffs. So here we are. Mac, a few more games here. Duke beats Wake Forest on Thursday night, 24-21. to Wake has some back-breaking turnovers. Of course, no Riley Leonard, but Grayson Loftus, the young freshman, was able to get it done. Really, Duke's defense and, and running game got it done. But Duke, I, I've said it before. I, I actually said it when they did not cover at Louisville, but – in Mike Elko, we trust. I mean, that guy, you you let him know what he has. So you have this true freshman yeah. quarterback, and he's gonna say, All right, mm-hmm. he's gonna put these guys in the best position to win. He's just he impresses me every every week, really. Yeah, yeah. No, no question about it. And you know, I, I thought it was impressive to see the you know, the grit, yeah. you know, from Loftus, you know, being a young guy and you know, who knows how long he knew he was gonna be starting this game, short week. You know, getting in there and, and going against a, a, an ACC opponent, you know, and, and a Wake Forest team that, you know, has a lot of skill and a lot of great players on their team. It was an absolute battle. Have to give love to Mitch Griffiths first, you know, by far his mm-hmm. best game. Um, and thought that was probably the guy we'd see all year. And hopefully he'll he'll continue to grow and, and be able to be that. Um, but this Duke team just stands tall. And and specifically looking at number one, the the, the tying touchdown at twenty one. You know where where it was just kind of a weird spot. Duke couldn't really get anything going, um, and then boom, three plays. They they get a a big penalty, and then I believe it was a shot, like a thirty yard shot uh, touchdown, kind of over the middle, passing touchdown to Jordan Moore, 
super impressive throw, like a strike. Um, and then the last drive of the game, you, it's tied. You get the ball back yeah. with a pick. So it's typical Mike Elko way, right? Our defense stands tall. They get it for us. And then a 10-play, 54-yard drive to that kick a game impressive. winner. Um, super impressive. So th- this team finds a way. You know, obviously was was in a little bit of a, a, a skid there, losing a couple of, in a row, three out of four, and then get a big W here. So impressive for Duke. Uh, they've got a big one. We're going to, to see them play, you know, at, at Chapel Hill. They've got a big one this weekend um, that, that we'll check out there. Well, perfect transition to UNC finding a way to beat the Camels of Campbell, finding 59-7. to seven. <laughs> It was a little close early on, Mac. UNC rolls as they should against a, a team of this level. I I don't I honestly don't think we learned really anything from this game. I yeah. you could say oh they got the run game going and Drake May looked good no picks etc. But we'll find out more next week. Mm-hmm. They they did what they're supposed to do. Yeah, I think what you learned is Amarian Hampton's a bad man. And Give him the ball. Continue to though. understand that. Hand him the rock. 144 <laughs> yards. He even had another like 50 yard touchdown that came back. And a couple of plays later, he hit it again. It's just like, geez, this this dude is a freak. I think another thing you found out, uh, Connor Harrell, the, yeah. the backup, he's kind of nice. Uh, this will be fun to see if he can continue to grow. He threw a dime for a touchdown and then had like a, a, a 50 point. or 60 yard run to the house. And I was like, dang, I didn't know he had that in his bag. So uh, it, it's fun to see these games and kind of get a little bit of a flash of the future. Um, Cedric Gray, bad dude. I mean, he's he's just a freak. Love watching him play. But this this defense has to respond. I look forward to talking about this game more, Duke and UNC, uh, on Friday because I'm going to have some thoughts on how mm-hmm. I think this thing's going to go. And UNC is still 7-2 and two overall. Sure, like, sure. You know, when you look at their schedule, you probably think 7-2 and two yeah. is pretty good, right. but you wouldn't have guessed the losses. You know what I mean? Right. Well, these Virginia last three coming up are about to be brutal. Yeah. These last three. They got to figure it out. They got to get together. Make or break. Make or break for sure. Mac. <laughs> You got more picks right than me this week, which is a theme. So a theme of the season. So why don't you uh, take us take us out? Yeah, three and three Exit ain't nothing uh, to be excited about. Let me just tell uh, you that, KG. I'd be excited to have gone three and three. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> That's just terrible. Um, what wasn't terrible. terrible is the Tigers. Can't say it enough. I'm excited. Notre Dame, <laughs> see you later. Maybe next year, whenever we play Bull you guys again. I think Here it's a we while. Come, we, don't play, we don't play Notre Dame for a while back at home. So anytime you guys want to schedule that, we uh, we look forward to it. You're a great guest. Always let us get the Ws. We appreciate that. Uh, but we also appreciate you guys for tuning in. Uh, of course, our great friends over at Ingles. But we need your help. We need you to come over to YouTube and have some fun with us over here. Subscribe. Leave some comments. We appreciate you guys in the chat there going back and forth. And, of course, the OGs over on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe there as well. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you all.